Oops, I don't know whether I can be heard or not. <laughs> oh, hi, you can hear me. I'm, I'm broadcasting from uh, TV studios in uh, New Jersey, New York. And with me is a TV producer. Yeah, how's it going? No, no, wrong. <laughs> there, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so that's Josh. He's in charge of all our televangelism. And uh, I wish I could see you guys. The only good thing about me doing it this way is it's going to be relatively short. And uh, so... Emily has less than 20 minutes to recover her voice. Yes, I hear about these things. Okay, so let's go. I believe you really had a long break going down and hanging around and that Sheldon was at fault. But listen, guys, I want to talk about... Um, uh, how to pray going forward, because... Uh, one of the things that we need to make sure we do in our house churches and our hubs is uh, praying out of Kairos. And by praying out of Kairos, I mean the ability to know the fluid times of God, what God wants at a certain time, and then pray accordingly. I just want to spend some time on that. Uh, by the way, uh, our friend in a certain part of India who had given a request uh, for a person who was being forced into marriage to perhaps escape it. Um, let me know that uh, the marriage went through. And uh, uh, just remember to pray for that town in India because everyone's a little heartbroken about what happened because they were hoping that somehow the marriage would fall through, but it didn't. So she had to go through all the rituals um, that Hinduism forces on um her and then she was married off about two hours ago so more than anything else pray for her pray that she has the courage to live uh two that god intervenes three that the guys who were really hoping something will um, happen before um might actually be quite disappointed with the turn of events so just pray for their faith eh? so i've been in touch with our friend and i'm um, being cryptic because sometimes when things are put online, different people hear it. Yeah, so when it comes to praying out of Kairos, here are the things required, guys. One, it requires that we ascertain God's plan. We ascertain God's plan, as in Father, in the situation that we were talking about in the town, or in New York, where we are trying to start something, or in uh, dealing with a hurricane, or in uh, how we plan things. Uh, first, we ascertain God's plan. And that's sometimes the toughest day because we always doubt what we think God is saying. Two, we obey its urgency without amendment. We obey its urgency without amendment. And each word there is so potent. One is obey. Two, there's an urgency to what God says. Usually when God doesn't set a timeline, doesn't set a deadline, uh, but that doesn't mean that I can do it at my own pace. And I've been caught in this so many times eh, where I know God is saying something, but I'll take my own sweet time getting to it, thinking I have time or thinking it's not a pronto thing. And as I keep waiting, situations around me keep changing. 
and then now I have to adjust not to God. I have to adjust to the situations because suddenly what was cheap is now expensive. What was easy is now difficult. And so each of these words is critical when it comes to praying out of Kairos. How do I define Kairos? I've done this before, but Kairos is this idea of uh, things that God has prepared for us individually, for us, for us corporately, for us as a nation uh, and a people where he says, this is the right time for it. Therefore, there's a fluidity about it. It's, it's not determined by clocks, deadlines. It's now is the time. Another way of saying Kairos is in the fullness of time. This is a fancy Greek word that sounds really cool, but that's what it really means. So obey its urgency without amendment. So you have to obey that there has to be an urgency to it, even though there is no deadline or timeline. Now is the time. And one of the things you'll find many of us at Acts 29 doing is we know we need to obey. We're even willing not to amend it. We'll stick with the plan, but there is no urgency. So things get harder. Things get uh, sometimes ex more expensive. And so we change the plans. And amendment happens because we cannot afford to pay the cost. That's when we as believers amend things. Oh, by the way, just on the side, uh, this has nothing to do with the message. Guys, um, the ones who are, th there are some at Acts 29 who are really slogging during the week because of different things that happen. Uh, I guess through the announcements, you know that last week we had a, a overflow in the women's uh, toilet and ladies' toilet and that the water spilt over and Brandon and Tooney and Jillian and Anile and Mark on the phone. These guys slogged like crazy eh? i mean and uh i mean thank god it was them who slogged because they knew what they were doing it's one thing to slog and not see, not see results so i'm grateful for that but i think going forward we'll have to volunteer to um slog because uh, we're getting to a place where where when it comes to church we're getting too specialized as in, this is my area, this is my area, this is my area. I'll do what is necessary here. That's how the world works, where we get so specialized that we will not be able to help in areas where we're not skilled anymore. So I'd like you to approach Heidi or Jillian or um, um, Brandon or uh, Tooney and say, listen, uh, this isn't my thing, but please tell me what to do and I'll um, help because... Um, I would hate for us to get specialized. That's a very corporate thing. It's not a Christian thing. And so if you're just turning up on Sundays and not being part of the rest of what may be happening in church, just change that approach. Um, yeah, I remember my parents scolding me once when I came home because I would do nothing. I'd be out doing my own thing and then I'd come home, eat and go to bed. I think it was my dad who reminded me that I was not a paying guest. <laughs> but uh, that was many years ago. So just keep that in mind. That was on the side. Um, so the third thing is uh, become the womb through which God births things. Become the womb through which God births things. And uh, it, it, it's not just nice sounding, eh? it's painful because the moment I say that I'm going to be the womb for God that you want to birth things through, immediately uh, know that there will be labor pangs. 
you'll have to now strive to um, bear the pain to uh, protect, go through cycles, be stretched before the thing you're praying comes to pass. And these are things that I hope Acts 29 will enter into now that you have house churches and hubs functioning the way they function. Most of the work will be done during the week, not on Sundays. Sundays isn't just for this new TV ministry that we have started. I'm kidding. Fourth, uh, you have to transpose this urgency that God has given you to others. You have to transpose this urgency that God has given you to others. So one of the things that God would do with both the people of God through prophets, through leaders, is the urgency he would give them, he would then transpose to, he would have them transpose it to others so that an entire group of people would be grabbed by the same stirring that was on the heart of the one that God sent it to. A large part of that falls on me, but since we are raising leaders uh, on a regular basis through our house churches and hubs and the intent is that a wave after wave follows through the many years that lie ahead. You must learn to first be someone who takes something that is worth praying for, that God is laying on your heart and um, allow it to grow in your womb because it'll begin to show. It'll be obsessive. There'll be a passion. There'll be a protection. There'll be a stretching. There'll be pain. And now it's easy to transpose to others what's in your womb. Otherwise, it's not easy, eh? The next one is, um, now I have to have the faith for the unprecedented. I have to have the faith for the unprecedented. God is not, uh, he's, very often uh, he's doing new things. He's never run out of new things. We think, uh, it seems like pastors always say new thing, new thing, new thing. But pastors or leaders say new thing, new thing, new things, because God says it plenty of times in the Bible. He's really an old God who keeps doing new things. Everything is old to him, but everything is new here on earth when he releases it. And so I have to have the faith for the unprecedented to happen. Today was the first service we had as the church in New York. And uh, um, one of the guys uh, began to say that I feel that there's this overwhelming sense of God here and what is going to happen will be overwhelming. There will be something that uh, will affect the city. And these were just four people gathering, man. But the person had the faith for it. I have the faith for it. And I'm sure some of you have the faith for it. Oh, by the way, I got to tell you this. So over the last few days, I felt the Lord leading us to a specific place in New York to start the city. And so we chose that particular area to start the church. And uh, uh, so we decided to name the church after that part of New York. And so we went there, we prayed yesterday, and going there again on Tuesday and praying in that area. And so the area is called Hell's Kitchen. And so the name of the church in New York will be Hell's Kitchen Church. Cool, huh? I, I wish I could see you guys laughing or commenting on that. Or is it the usual quiet, stoic grunt? I hope not. <laughs> so, um, if you ever hear the words HKC, it stands for Health's Kitchen Church. Cool name, huh? That's the name of the area. What can you do? And uh, God confirmed it uh, 
a couple of times. So I'll tell you about that and show you the way he confirmed it. And so that's where we'll be starting. Uh, today we started, but that's where we'll be continuing. Good things have been happening, man, but I'll tell you about that later. Um, the fifth thing is, now that you have the faith for the unprecedented, begin to steward its effect to completion. It's not enough to now have a start. And this is the hardest thing. Eh? I mean, I'm just thinking of just New York alone. Now comes the hard part. You have you have gotten something going, but how do you steward it to completion? Finishing is so difficult. So that's what is next uh, in line. So this is the kind of praying that I pray God will happen, especially during the house churches and the hubs, because you have time for it. And as long as we first ascertain that it is God, we can then be sure that it is not self-generated or is not something from what is old that God has already spoken or not something that we want to make happen. So churches that pray like this are able to open ancient gates. I know ancient gates is a favorite thing of mine, ancient doors. And one of the things we want to do into in every city or every place we go into is open up ancient doors and shut down demonic doors. And they both are real. They both are real. I mean, do you, do you for a second doubt that there are demonic doors in Afghanistan that need to be shut in Haiti? How do some nations get ravaged again and again and again and again? Anyways. So, this kind of prayer is the kind of praying we need to do uh, in Acts 29 going forward. Uh, and this is the kind of prayer that causes the fire of God to fall. Uh, the fire of God to consume, the fire of God to judge, the fire of God to blaze pathways. I'll say that again. The fire of God as in the sheer power of God coming into a place does these four things. It falls upon situations and it either consumes it or judges it or blazes a new path. As in it clears a new path or it judges it or it consumes it. It consumes it both for good and bad because sometimes God is a consuming fire so he can remove what needs to be removed. Other times he's a consuming fire because he needs to destroy. I pray God that this is the kind of results we begin to see. So, surprisingly, let me start ending. I know you guys will end up going home too early today, but what can I do? This kind of praying doesn't require faith. It requires fearlessness. This kind of praying does not require faith. It requires fearlessness. It requires courage. Because everything that God is going to ask us to pray for in the next little while will be things that he thinks we are ready for or we don't think we are ready for. He'll never give us something that we can pray for that is within our ability. He'll give us something to pray for that is not within our ability. That is far too excessive. So one of the things I'm hoping when I come back is that we'll have situations, nations, um, turnarounds, um, 
drastic circumstance changes that we can put on a board and say, these are four or five things that we should now begin to pray for till we see the result. It's that push prayer idea, pray until something happens. It's that idea. So my hope is that we can begin to pray like that. Yeah. So I'm already trying to, thanks Navina. I'm already trying to think of four things that we can begin to pray like that, where we, sorry guys, that's what I Yeah, my hope is that we can put four things on the board, four really impossible things that God is prompting us to pray for, and then see how long it takes, but see how it comes to pass. One would be for a nation outside, one would be for within Canada, one would be for an impossible circumstance in a person's life, for a people group's life, and one would be a radical change in some form or the other. Something that God would prompt us to. We've got to see this, eh, guys? We've got to have demonstrative models for us to be encouraged. That's why I said pray for that town in India where our friend is, because... They must be so discouraged right now. They were so hoping that something would happen before she got married. Before she was forced into marriage to a Hindu and she is a believer. Yeah, man. I feel so sad about that. I felt sad talking to him. He was so disheartened. Yeah. There's more to say about that, but I'll hold back for now. So the first thing is, remember, guys, if this kind of prayer doesn't need faith, it needs courage and fearlessness. And the first part of it is that, uh, oh, God, you will not give me something I can pray for that I'm used to, that I have the ability to. You want to give me something. Kairos kind of prayers in the fullness of time means it hasn't happened before, but it is going to happen now. The time for it has come. Therefore, go through the first five points I give you. Bear this in your womb. And begin to convey it with the passion that I need to. It is impossible to do. It's unprecedented. So let's put these four things on the board. And now let's begin to pray in a way that is beyond us, but that God doesn't think is beyond us because he has brought us to this moment for a time such as this. And we'll have to let go of pet phrases like God is in control, uh, whatever is will. If the door opens, then it is God. If it shuts, it's not God. You have to let go of stuff like that. When you choose not to discover the nature of God and what God wants to do in a situation, and you keep mouthing things like God is in control, if this works out, it's fine. It's disingenuous and it's self-inflicting. And please, some of us have pet phrases, man, that we've used for so long, it's time to get rid of them. God is in control. God is in charge. God knows. Of course he does. It's like saying gravity is working. Time for us to move on from there. It's disingenuous and it is self-inflicting when we stick to old ways of saying things and do not discover the new ways of saying, praying, finding, discovering, stepping to places that almost border on being presumptuous and are arrogant. That's the only way to go. Hey, this is one of those times when you may not be able to ask questions. <laughs> Diana, eat that for dinner. 
the third thing is uh, you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. So <laughs> I said, Diana, eat that for dinner. And someone sent me a note saying, that was so mean. I apologize, Diana. That was mean, but uh, what can I do? I just had to take that shot. Uh, okay. So you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, so one of the things that happens when we pray down this road of Kairos is that uh, the enemy will be an active uh, resistor, combatant um, presence, and it is deliberate because God wants him defeated. The enemy turning up when we pray for something unprecedented and impossible is not a bad thing. It is so that he may be defeated. The devil turned up everywhere Jesus went day. And Jesus beat him everywhere that he turned up. One gains confidence only by fighting and winning. And God will not let us go into any battle that he already knows the outcome of, which is victory. That we may lose is not really his doing, it because we haven't been following the way he's asked us to. But his intent is, I will take you into battles, and the very idea of a battle means there will be a victor and a loser. And I'm taking you into a battle where I know the victor. Now, come, let's beat him. The enemy doesn't know this. So he doesn't know it in the sense he's dull to the fact that here is a setup where God is preparing a table for us in the presence of my enemies. And God likes sitting with you in the devil's face, uh, knowing that your intimacy already intimidates him. And it's an antidote for fear in your case and a horrible thing for the enemy. So uh, I pray God that the four challenges he gives us for prayer will be ones that will be really uh, inflicting severe blows on the enemy. And by, by the time I come back, not next Sunday, but I'll be there shortly after, We'll have these four things on a board somewhere where everybody can see it so that whenever you whenever you're passing by your praying and we'll see these things come to pass and they'll be impossible, really difficult things. It'll be fun guys. I won't be one person's victory, it'll be all of us doing it together. Right? So this uh, this teaching is not just out of the blue. I just felt this morning that this is something that we need to enter in to now that we have these house churches and hubs functioning pretty messily, now is the right time to um, add this extra weaponry man of prayer like we've never done before. We've learned the principles, but now we'll actually see it demonstrated and put it out on a billboard so others can see it too. Just continuing with the last point, don't be alarmed by your opponents. It's a sign of distraction to them. Don't be alarmed by your opponents. It's a sign of destruction to them. When you refuse to fear, it terrifies the enemy. When you refuse to fear, it terrifies the enemy. When you refuse to fear, it terrifies the enemy because he's so used to human beings being afraid. That when he finds a human being who has Christ in him, not be afraid, it terrifies him. He doesn't know what to do. He does not know how to deal with this thing called shalom. He does not know Shalom, so he cannot deal with it. He can only pedal, trade, uh, deal with things that is within him. He is one of the most fearful creatures in the world. He's one of the most worthless creatures in the world. 
is one of the most guilt-ridden, shame-filled creatures in the world. He can only deal with things that are within him. He's one of the most proud, arrogant creatures in the world. He's one of the most independent creatures in the world. He can only deal in these things. I cannot understand peace, joy. Therefore, he begins to fear. And he fears the one within you. Greater is the one that is in you who has peace and joy and shalom. And so every time you go in the opposite spirit of things, it is crippling to the enemy. We don't, we don't think of this actively when it's happening. Therefore, we start to hit ways of doing things. Cool, guys. Let me see if there's any other point I want to make. Do this, guys. One of the stories I love talking about, which I'll talk about another time, is the story of this guy called Micaiah. And um, Micaiah actually goes uh, before Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And they ask him for counsel, and Micaiah goes first, finds out what God is seeing. I pray, God, that... Um, guys, I really don't want this to be a strong church. I just want us to be a church that shows people that there is a way these things can be done. Can you imagine how cool it will be when an entire church, when an entire hub, when an entire house church goes and finds out from God what's actually happening in heaven? Colossians 3 goes into practice center where the activity is don't look down on the earth look where the activity is centered around figure out what God is doing it is absolutely possible for us at Acts 29 to become a people like this so that the next generation can practice it easily we don't want any victories man we want the fame of God remember eh we do things for the fame of God for the fame of God for the fame of God we do things for the fame of God. Everything you do when you share a testimony, when you talk about a healing, when you talk about what God did for you, when something tremendous happens in response to prayer, bring it back to this one thing. I live for the fame of God. I live for the fame of God. And once that comes to that everything that happens to me that I wear, that the gold chain around my neck, the crown on my head, the gold shoes on my feet, the robes on me, everything then just begins to just naturally deflect back to him because I do things for the fame of God. I love what they say when they swear in uh, bureaucrats and uh, guys like that uh, in the White House. We serve at the pleasure of the President of the United States of America. You and I serve at his pleasure. All the things we're building here, all the things we're learning, all the ways we want to learn how to pray, all these four things that we put on the board, is not so that people will say, oh, in that church, God answers prayers. Get two hoots about that. No, 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 no. It is the fame of a God. This God has a way to show us how to pray. And when we do that, he answers. So now you go and do this twice better than I. This is the time for this message, guys. I'll come up with those four things and then we'll start praying down this line. Remember the first five things I said, I think that's so important. I'll just read it once. I won't explain it. Um, praying out of Kairos. 
which is praying exactly what God has designed in, designed in heaven and wants to break upon the earth in appointed times. Uh, to pray like that, you require first ascertaining God's plan, to obeying its urgency without amendment. Urgency is important, otherwise circumstances on earth will force you to pay a very high cost for it or will force you to amend it because you are not able to meet its requirements. Many of us do that. We wait because there are more unimportant things to do. Three, become the womb through which God can birth this thing that he's asking you to pray for. And whenever anything is uh, conceived in the womb, it will pain, it will change you, it will stretch you, it will cause your cycles to change. It will be very personal. And sometimes many things are not wombs by us. And don't be bothered by it if it is not. Some things are not meant to be carried by you, but some things are supposed to be carried by you to the extent where it hurts. Four, transpose the urgency that you feel to the earth, to the people around you. Because remember, this is for his fame. This is not for some personal victory or book that you're going to write. Five, have faith for the unprecedented because God is doing new things. And the new thing is, hasn't been done before. That is why it's called unprecedented. Elijah, Noah, Moses, unprecedented. David, Jesus, Paul, Saul, Peter, unprecedented. And finally, steward its effect to completion. Steward it to completion. That is how we become gateways here on earth. And that is how we open gateways here on earth. Let me say that. Again, that is how we become gateways here on earth. And that is how we open gateways here on earth. Yeah. So before you go, remember to pray for Hell's Kitchen Church. Before you go, remember to pray for our friend um, and this girl who got married and the entire group of guys and girls there who are hurting. And before you go, could you please pray for the next phase of my travel with this Los Angeles starting Wednesday. Love you guys. I haven't been away from you for 521 days and it feels kind of odd to travel. On behalf of me and my television producer, uh, Praful, thanks. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Hello. Um, I'm just going to ask. Joan, if she wants to come up and pray for um, the next phase of Jacob's travel. And what was the first? Um, Jane, if she wants to come up and pray for the Hell's Kitchen Church, and 
Evan and um sorry, Matt if he wants to come up and pray for um the girl. Father, we know that you have gone before Jacob and you have prepared everything. And we thank you that he has an ear to hear you and a heart that will obey. So we thank you that you're going to lead him uh, to any connections he needs to make and um, that you are going to accomplish so much um, because he has gone in your name, in no other name but your name. And we just ask for your protection over him, uh, your provision for him, and all of those connections that they will just be very smooth, um, that uh, when he comes back, he'll have many, many stories. Uh, we just thank you for this opportunity uh, as a body to back him, to pray for him. Um, and uh, again, we just thank you in Jesus' precious name, amen. Father, we thank you that um, this Hell's Kitchen Church has been uh, in your books since the beginning of time. Thank you that you are the Alpha, you are the Omega, you are the author, you write every segment of this story. Thank you that it is coming to pass at the right time. Thank you that you've brought the people, the right people, at the right time. Father, only you are the one who can intersect things like that. So, Father, we just give you the thanks and praise. Father, I'm just reminded that of uh, what um, Jacob said, someone had said about uh, this church, um, that behold, you are doing a new thing. So I just want to read a part of it. Um, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland called New York. The wild animals will honor you, Father, the jackals and the owls, because you will provide water in that wilderness called New York City and streams in the wasteland. You will give drink to the people there in your calling them chosen, <laughs> Father. <laughs> the people you form for yourself, that they may proclaim your praise. So that's what we pray, Father. And I also specifically ask that you help those who are part of building this church to forget the former things. Father, help them to forget the former things and to not dwell in the past. Father, I pray that they make a clean cut from the things that they have done before, especially about building church, how church is done, or anything else, Father, that you're asking um, that they just make a clean break from that. So Holy Spirit, help them do that work now. Start it right, right now, Father, in their hearts and their minds, that, that they make space uh, for um, a new blueprint to be given to them, Father. So we just bless each person that's there as a part of it. Um, and we look forward to seeing, Father, what you're going to build there. Amen. God, we lift up this friend of Jacob's that has been uh, forced into this marriage that 
um, that you didn't want, and but we know that you turn all things uh, into good, that you can use all things, and so we pray that she would find life in this situation and that she uh, would be a light in the darkness. Um, yeah, and that this this attack from the enemy would be turned into into something that God will use um, yeah, to bring your light into the darkness. Amen. Um, so just as we, um, as we go out and as we go out into this week, um, may we earnestly seek him and search out the Father's ways. May we each morning put first things first, that we may fill ourselves um, and find with him and find that he is the one who quenches our thirst and discover that we were created to enjoy what Jesus has with God. And as Jacob was saying, that in everything we do, that it's for the fame of God, that it's to display and discover his fame. And that we decide to reform our, con our conduct. Because um, as we belong to Christ, the pageants and the way we conduct ourselves are important. And lastly, as what Jacob's just been talking about here, that we walk with the Spirit in everything. That we put aside our pet things of doing, our pet ways and our pet um, sentences that we use. And in everything we walk by the Spirit, seeking His nature and His character in everything that we do. So I just want to read um, Numbers 6 over everybody as we go. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So bless you as you go out into your weeks um, and in the adventure that God has for you this week.